morning. Stand with us as we uh, stand and worship the Lord today. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting Secure from all alarms, lean on Jesus, lean on Jesus, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way. worship you, Lord, and we just thank you for the opportunity to be here. God, we just pray uh, for Brother Daryl today as he lifts up your uh, name in his word, Lord, and uh, we just uh, thank you again for our church family. We thank you again for all you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would welcome 
Okay, if you have your Bible, Hebrews chapter 4 this morning as we work through the book of Hebrews on Sunday. Hebrew chapter 4, 1 through 11 is continuing the thought that we started last week with this thought of rest. And so there's an outline on the backside of your announcements if you'd like to use that. And I want to just real briefly, I'm not at all going to go over again what we talked about last week on rest, but it is a continuing thought, this issue of resting, uh, resting in Jesus. And uh, so starting from last week on the screen, we uh, covered that belief plus trust is faith. Okay, a lot of people believe, and that is, it's easy for that to become like a mental thing. Yeah, I believe. Talked about that in Sunday school just a little bit. Yeah, I believe. So what? You know, what is that doing for you? So belief in itself is not enough. It needs to go on to trust. That's more of an action word. So if I believe, then, I, then I'll begin to trust uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis used the illustration of a rope or a piece of string. He said, now, you, if you're going to send a box, uh, you might wrap a piece of string around the box, wrap, wrap it up, and send it. And you believe that that string, small cord, I think he said cord, would, would hold that box. He said, now, dangle that cord off the edge of a cliff and hang on to it. Do you believe it? And there's one, it's one thing to wrap a box to send in the mail with a piece of cord. Yeah, I believe it's going to hold that because there's no consequence if it doesn't, actually. But to dangle that uh, same piece of cord off a cliff and you hang on to it and you're trusting your life to it, that's different. There's a different kind of belief, isn't there? There's a different kind of belief. And so belief plus trust is faith. And that trust is very, it's, it's the same thing as what we're talking about, rest. Learning to rest in Jesus, trusting him, letting him do his part, letting him do what you can't do. Learning to rest in him, trust him, action word, okay? And uh, the perfect verse we looked at last week, Matthew eleven twenty eight. almost all of you know it or have heard it. Where Jesus said, come to me. Jesus is speaking to you. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. Come to me with your everything. You know, I was going to name off some things. Everything. Come to me with everything, Jesus would, would say. So, learning to rest. Uh, again, as we've done every week, the author is using as an illustration the Israelites who came out of Egypt. They're right at the border going into the promised land, Canaan land, and they didn't do it. They didn't trust that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. They didn't trust to do what God told them to do. So every week he's, he's using that as the illustration for us. So... Here we come to the text, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, 1 through 11. I'm going to do this a little differently this, this morning. Hebrews 4, 1 through 11 is one of the most difficult passages in the Bible to read the way it's written. 
Okay, it's, it's difficult to read. So this morning, I'm going to read it off the screen. I don't have, don't have an, do not have an NIV translation in front of me, but so I'm going to read it off the screen like, like you will. I don't know what translation you have in your, in your lap, but the NIV makes it a little easier to read. Now, I don't believe that the thought and the instruction is all that hard. The, uh, when we get to that, I, I, I think it's pretty easy to understand. It's just hard to read. Okay, um, and I attribute that to a lot of us think sometimes that Bible translation is easy and it's incredibly hard. If you're going to take Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew and or and translate that into English, uh, many, many people still think that Bible translation is just basically word for word. You know, it, is, it isn't that at, at, at all. It isn't anything like that. It's incredibly difficult to translate from Greek to English. And I think, I think a lot of, the, of our problem in, in, having, in, in trying to read this is, is just sim simply that. So we're going to simplify it as much as we can. I do think that the thought is easy to get. But here, here we go, Hebrews chapter 4, we'll, we will read 1 through 11. Therefore, so, since the promise of entering his rest still stands. Now, remember, so the, the Hebrew pastor in that day is presenting this to his church. Now, he, he's going to refer to the, the Israelites. They failed to enter rest. Now, here's your chance, okay? Well, here I am, 2021. 20, preaching the same thing. They failed. Now here's your chance. Okay. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, still does, still does, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news, the gospel, proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now, we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation, the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, on the seventh day God rested from all of his works. And again in the passage above, which is taken from Psalm 95, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, it's still possible. And since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day calling it today. This is important. God again Set a certain day, calling it today. And we've already talked about this a little bit. It's coming around again. Okay? They had a chance. They said, no. You have a chance. It's coming around again. There's a cycle. That God, God again set a certain day. And what did he call it? Today. It really is as simple as that. Today. When do I respond? Today. When do I trust? Today. When do I make a decision? Today. Today. Because this is your chance. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David as in the passage already, 
already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains, then, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There's still a chance. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest. And I'll add, when? Today, all right? So that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Okay, there is God's word. Now, we're going to put on the screen, if you're looking at your outline, it will be there too. Today, I've just just said that, today, breaking the cycle from yesterday, okay? Today is a new day. It's a different day. It's not like last week. This is... I'm not going to say it doesn't have anything to do with last week because that's impossible to say. But today's a new day. Today's a new chance. And uh, let me say this. I, I appreciate everybody who's here. I appreciate those who will watch live stream. I've had an overwhelming sense all week that there's somebody who's going to watch this on live stream. And this is for everybody. But I think there's somebody who's going to watch this on, on live stream who maybe hasn't watched a whole lot, but I'm not sure of the circumstances. But I think that that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you today. This is a new day, breaking the cycle from yesterday. Okay? And the simple thought, I, I know that text was hard to read, but the simple thought is, look, you see what your ancestors were. You see what they did and didn't do. Don't you do that. Don't you do that. You saw what chances they had. They had the same chances of faith, trust, and they, and they failed. And so the pastor to the Hebrew church saying, Now, don't do that. This is, this is your chance. To, to, today, God has given you another chance. So don't you do that. Moving on, I want to talk about two things of breaking the cycle. One is generation and the other is personally. Generation fits exactly. That is exactly what the author, the preacher, the pastor is preaching about. Generations. You see what your forefathers didn't do when they had the chance. You see the, uh, the lack of faith. Don't you do that. Uh, I've used this once before, but it's been a while. And I, I want to use this again. Something went to a funeral, uh, I'm going to say two years ago. I'm not sure. So I was at the funeral, and it was for an older person. Don't, don't even remember who it was. I didn't preach it. I was just in the congregation. So I sit sitting there, and they, uh, over, over the speakers, they played Precious Memories. Okay, I've heard that song, I don't know, a thousand times. But I never really listened to the song. And some, some of you know the song real well. Some of you don't have any idea what that song is. Okay. But I listen to the song more intently than I usually do. In fact, I listen to it very intently. Precious mem- memories. And, and you know what each line of the song, each, each verse of the song. And the whole song is about m- 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 memories remembering memories from home. They, 
the singer talking about his memories from home. I'm going to slow down a little bit here. And how, how great they precious, thus the name of the song. How precious the, the, his m memories of home were. Okay? And I listened intently more than I ever, ever had. Each line, each phrase, everything the song talked about, how precious the memories of home. I don't care who I talk to. I don't care what group I talk to. If I was preaching the funeral, if I was preaching to our church in person, if I'm preaching to someone who's watching from home or wherever you are, I don't care what group I talk to. About half of you would agree with that song, and about half of you won't. Talking about how precious the memories of home were. When I looked around at the, at the crowd, those who were there, you know, over here, and, and I could see, because it's going to be, every crowd's pretty much a typical crowd when it comes to this. I could see some would nod their head, you know, and then I saw some who just staring straight, straight ahead, like, uh, that's, not, that's not my home. About half of you would agree with the message of that song. And about half of you wouldn't. I can't think of any, hardly anything that I preach about more emotional and more actually divisive than home, than generations, than my parents, my grandparents, and, and you know, what they passed down to, to me. And I, it's even hard for me to say it, but when I listened to the song, there was not one line in that song that described my home. Okay? Not one line described my home. Now, about half of the people in the crowd say, yeah, I remember that, you know, that scene. But about half the crowd would say, I don't remember that scene at, at all. It did not exist in my home. There's just hardly anything I could talk about more emotional. And that's why I even thought about not doing this. Because sometimes it's not only emotional. When I say, say emotional, I mean it's painful. But talking about home life and, and how we were raised, where we were raised, and, and, and what that was like is, is painful at times. I promise you, it, it is. Many of the people who, who uh, uh, come, for, come for counseling or come for prayer, it will, it will stem back to this, where I, where I came from, how I, was, how I was treated, how I was raised, or how I wasn't. And uh, that situation is not getting better it's getting worse. If you open your eyes, that situation is not getting better. It's getting worse. There will come a day when we, if we played precious memories here or at a funeral or wherever, would hardly anybody will agree with, with that song because it just wasn't what their home life was. Okay? I talked to younger people especially over and over I talk to people individually a lot about this breaking the cycle of ungodliness and dysfunction because about half of you in this room came from homes that were ungodly and dysfunctional okay now 
We don't walk around like that. We don't have shirts made. I came from a dysfunctional home. You know, we don't do it. We don't advertise it, and we don't even want anybody to know it. When I said that, you know, that, that my home was no, nothing like that, that's hard for me to say. I don't want you to know that, okay? And so any of us who, who come from a, a, maybe a struggling, dysfunctional, whatever the word might, might be, we don't, often we don't even want to talk about it. We don't want anybody to know that. We want to make every, everybody think that, yeah, I came from that great Christian, God, godly home, but the truth is half of us didn't. It just wasn't like that. So what do we do? Do we carry that on? No, we don't. No. And that's exactly what the pastor then is talking. Look, you see what your ancestors did. But today you have a chance to do different. Today you have a chance to, to break the cycle. Because your ancestors got right up to the border to cross over and they didn't do it, that doesn't mean that you have to be like that. It doesn't mean that, that your home needs to be like that. It doesn't mean that it, they're not always the same, even though they often are. It doesn't have to be. It's amazing, isn't it? How, how's that phrase go? It's hard to get away from your raising, right? It is, but it's not impossible. And so it's that decision this morning, how, however old you are, of breaking the cycle of ungodliness. And I just, those are two words that I picked out. There could be all kinds of, of descriptions of, of homes that really aren't where they need to be. Okay? But breaking the cycle of ungodliness and dysfunction, starting with who? Starting with me. Starting with me. It's making that decision that I, I, I realize what my home was and, okay, that's all in the past. What do I need to focus on today, today, now? And that, that in my home, in my home, it's going to start being different. But I can't do it without Jesus. I cannot do it on my own. I need his help. It's, it's, it's got to be, and it, it, it will be, more than just a decision on your part. And I think a decision on your part is extremely important. You have to make that, that you know, that's what I'm going to be. My home's going to be different from the one I was raised in. I'm going to be a different dad or a different mom or, or whatever it might, whatever the situation is. My home is going to be, instead of ungodly and dysfunctional, it's going to be a godly place. I'm going to make my home a godly place. And I'm making the decision to do that. I'm going to break the cycle. When do you start today? But I need, I need Jesus' help to do that. I'm gonna, I know I'm getting ahead a little bit, but I'm going to give you a sneak peek of, of next week, and that's verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. For the word of God is living. This, this is not on the, on the uh, screen, but Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living. The King James says quick. It's alive. It's the same thing. The Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged two sword. The reason I want to give you a sneak peek right here about breaking the cycle, the generational thing, because you can't do it on your own. The Word of God is alive. Now, 
Uh, everybody in the room thinks that's the Bible. Okay? It is. But that's not what the Hebrew pastor meant. Why? He didn't have one. The Word of God is alive. Now, we say it's the Bible. It is. But it wasn't for him. He didn't have one. What's he mean? The Word of God is alive. What's John 1, 1 said? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Who is that? Jesus. For the Word of God is alive. Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The first two verses of Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse ways spoke to us by the prophets in the past, but he has in this these days, in this day, spoken to us through his Son. He answers it right there. Who, who is and what is the Word of God? It's Jesus. What is he? Alive. Alive. He's not dead. He's alive. So how do I break the cycle? Jesus will help you. He's right there with, with you. I don't need to give you 10 steps. I don't need to give you a 12-step program here. It's getting alone with Jesus Christ. And that's what Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says. When Jesus says to you, come to me. Come to me. All you who are labor, who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I'll help you. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'll help you. Jesus is alive. He's not dead. The word of God is alive. It's not dead. All you've got to do this morning, all you have to do this morning is at least make that decision today. Today, my generation, my home, my life is going to be different today. And how am I going to do that? I'm going to ask Jesus today to help me. And what's he going to do? He's going to do it. When you ask the Word of God, the living Word of God, Jesus, help me do what your Word tells me to do, what do you think he's going to say? He's going to say, I've been waiting for you to ask. I've been waiting for you to ask. And the answer is, yes, I'm going to help you. Can you imagine a Savior, a God, who will not do what he's been asking you to do? No, I can't. The Word of God is alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged two sword. He's going to help you with whatever He's already asked you to do. He's asking you this morning, those of us who need to do this, to break the generational cycle. Your home will not be, your home today will not be like it was yesterday. And moving on with that thought, there's the generational and then the personal. And the words are the same. There's really not a whole lot more to add. Breaking the cycle of ungodliness and dysfunction personally. Okay? This may not be generationally. But this is where you are struggling. I like the, uh, I, I'm not going to preach on addiction, okay? I, but I want to use a, a thought about the word addiction. And I like, uh, someone taught me that uh, technically the word addiction means that it's something you're addicted to that you cannot break on your own. Now, all of us have a craving 
All of us have a desire. All of us have a temptation that we don't give in to. All right? We all do. Don't sit there and act like you don't. Okay? We all have a desire. We all have a temptation. We all have, a, we, we all have something we really want to do. We know we shouldn't do it, and we don't do it. Something we should do, and we, and we don't want to, but we go ahead and do it because we know it's the right thing to do. So we all have something that we're tempted to do wrong. We don't do it. Okay, that's not an addiction. Why? Because you can do it or not do it, whatever the case may be. All right? That means it's not an addiction. What's an addiction? When you can't do it. You can't stop doing it. You can't control yourself. When you can't, then, it, then it's an addiction. And I like that thought. I don't like that thought, but I like that thought because it explains it a little more to me. The simple thought is, is this. There are areas of our life that we cannot handle on our own. We just can't. And we have to admit to ourselves, I just can't do it on my own. I just can't. I've tried. I've tried. I've, I've tried this thing. I've tried that place. I've tried that 10 steps. I've tried those 12 steps. And it just seems, I just can't do it. But the Word of God is alive and is powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword. And He will help you break the cycle of ungodliness and dysfunction that just seems to overwhelm your life. This isn't a generational thing. This is a time thing. Last week, last year, yesterday, you struggled with this thing and you still are. And there may be times when it seems like it's better, but it's really not. And no matter what you've done, it just comes back around again. So today, today, see, this isn't yesterday. It's today. And the writer di didn't. He just goes over that and over that. And he's trying to get that church. This, this is a new day. But I've tried that, and I've tried this. You know what? Try again. Try again. I love it when, you remember when, when, when Eugene was here, and I would preach like this, and I would bring up that God is the God of the second chance. When I would mention that, Eugene was always the first to be on board with this because he knew what I was going to say. God's the God of the second chance. But it's not we are really kind of past that, aren't we? Because we fail more than once. So God is the God of the second chance. But if Eugene was here, I could hear him saying uh, from his seat, third chance, fourth chance. I can, I can hear that. Third chance, fourth chance. Some of you are saying, man, you need to keep on going. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly how you feel. He's the God of the second chance and the third chance and the fourth chance. And you say, well, how many times, how, how long will he wait? How patient can he be? You're going to find out. He is patient with us. He loves us. He is not 
giving up on us. And I'm going to change that from us to you. He is patient with you. He loves you. He is not giving up on you. Man, I have failed so many times, Pastor. You don't even know. I don't know. Jesus knows. He is alive and he's well. And he, he is asking you to respond to what he's already asked you to do. What do you think he's going to say when you ask for his help? Is, can you imagine Jesus saying, oh, well, you know, look, you've been to the altar so many times. You've asked for my help so many times. Look, I'm done with you. No. Can you imagine that? No. 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 How many of you have children and they fail and they come back and ask forgiveness? How many of you would say, oh, well, look, you failed. No, dads don't do that. Moms don't do that. Why? Because we love them. Why is God the way he is? Because he loves us. But pastor, you don't know. You're right. I don't know, but Jesus does. And you may be sitting in your pew thinking, well, I've failed so many times. I've messed up. I've made so many promises that I broke time and time again. Well, today's a new day. Today's a new day. And there's a 100% chance that you'll fail if you don't decide that I'm going to try again. That God isn't done with me yet. It's that, it's that conviction. God isn't done with me yet. He, uh, he is the God of the third, the fourth, the fifth chance, the sixth chance. However many chances it takes. That is the God that I serve. And today, I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again. Today, this generational cycle of ungodliness stops today. Today, this personal cycle of ungodliness stops. And I'm going to start a new day with the help of Jesus. I'm going to start a new day. I'm going to ask you to stand. Grady's going to come and uh, sing a very, I think, a very appropriate song, Come to Jesus. Grady asked us to be patient with him. He hasn't done this song for years, but we will be patient. And he's going to do great. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and you let the Holy Spirit decide what's going on with you. Decisions that need to be made today. Some of you, because of the home situation, that really, the Holy Spirit used that to speak to you. To, today, let's change the cycle. Let's start a new life at home. Let's start a new home. Let's start a new life at home today for some of you it may have been that but still more it was the personal it really may be not so much what's going on at home but what's going on with you personally inside and outside I need to start a new day to, to, today but no matter what the situation is I can't do it on my own Jesus I need your help I cannot do this on my own. I've, I've tried. It's not working. Jesus, I need your help. And that's why Jesus said, come to me. Come. Come to me. Well, I've done that before. Yeah. T today, let's do it again. Let's do it again. And if you fail, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Come to him. 
You let the Holy Spirit decide. You let the Holy Spirit deal with you. While, while Grady plays and sings, if you need to come to an altar, you can kneel, you can stand, you can sit, but it's coming to Jesus. You, you come if you need to come and pray. Weak and wounded sinner, lost and left to die. Oh, raise your head, love is passing by. Come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus and live. Now your burdens lifted and carry far away, and precious blood has washed away the stain. Sing to Jesus, sing to Jesus, sing to Jesus, and live like a newborn baby. Don't be afraid to crawl, and remember when you walk, sometimes you fall. So fall. Jesus, follow Jesus, follow Jesus, and live. Sometimes the way is lonely, it's steep and filled with pain. So if the sky is dark, Cry to Jesus, cry to Jesus, cry to Jesus, and live. When the love spills over and the music fills the night, and when you can't contain yourself inside. Dance for Jesus, dance for Jesus, dance for Jesus, and live. And when your final heart beats, kiss the world goodbye, and go in peace, laugh on glory side. Jesus, fly to Jesus.